Elliot Goldstein is hosting a radio and podcast show out of New Mexico called NMDJ Presents Fly on the Wall. We are building a fresh, fabulous podcast library of musicians, writers, artists, and all good people of note, with many new and exciting guests to come. We are listener-funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. We appreciate your help. We would like to thank Alan Gower for the intro music. Enjoyed the show. Hey guys, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall podcast. I'd like to tell you how I got started. Um, I really had no idea on um, the beginnings of what had even where to start. And I stumbled upon Anchor by Spotify. And it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. And I'll explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And um, when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast automatically on listening platforms. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple Podcasts. I'm on other uh, platforms. And it, Anchor made it so simple. And um, it's all in one place. Everything you need to make a podcast, you can find in one place. And um, the amazing part is it's all free. So um, there is no uh, downside to any of this. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R. And again, it's the Anchor app or go anchor.fm. And it's real easy to get started. And um, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall and uh, back to the show. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Good evening, everybody. This is Elliot over at Not Your Mother's Radio. We have a pretty special um, show going on tonight. Off the Barrow from the Frank Zappa Band will be with us in about 30 minutes. But um, prior to that, what I'd like to do is play part of the Harvey Brooks podcast that I did this week with uh, Mr. Brooks in Israel. Um, Harvey's in Israel. I'm in New Mexico. And we um, did this show on um, Thursday of this week. And it's, uh, he was pretty interesting. We, did a, we had a great, great show. We had some, uh, you know, some fun. We had played some great music. So I'd like to do is play part of that. And if you want to listen to the rest of it, it's over at the podcast. Go to um, any place where you get your podcast and look for Not Your Mother's Radio Podcast. And you should be able to find everything. If you have a problem, you know where to find me. So 
Here we go. I'm going to get the um, podcast started. And don't forget, 30 minutes from now, Arthur Barrow from Frank Zappa's band will be with us. Welcome to Not Your Mother's Radio Podcast. Today's guest is Harvey Brooks. Brooks came out of a New York music scene in the early 1960s. One of the younger players on his instrument, he was a contemporary of Felix Papalardi and Andy Kulberg and other electric bass players in their late teens and early twenties, who saw a way to bridge the styles of folk, blues, rock, and jazz. Al Cooper gave Brooks his first boost to fame when he asked him to play as part of Bob Dylan's backing band on the sessions that yielded the album Highway 61 Revisited. Dylan was looking for a harder, in-your-face electric sound, and Brooks, along with guitarist Michael Bloomfield and organist Al Cooper, provided exactly what was needed. Brooks was also part of Dylan's early backing band which performed at Forest Hills, Queens and the Hollywood Bowl in 1965. This band also included Robbie Robertson, Al Cooper, and Lee Von Helm. Harvey also worked on albums by The Doors, Soft Parade, and Miles Davis, Bitches Brew. So enjoy the show and let's listen to Harvey's tune while the guys are getting ready for the show. from Nakumova's Radio, and we have a very special guest today from um, Israel, and um, that's why um, I'm doing the show at a different time of day today, and um, I'll be recording this, we'll, we'll be playing this at a later date, but I'm on the line now with the great Harvey Brooks. If you, um, if you remember, Harvey was a, a very important part of the Bob Dylan electronic music, uh, not electronic, the electric Bob Dylan bands. And he um, played on the Highway 61 album, amongst others. And, um, I'm sorry, Highway 61 Revisited. And um, uh, an integral part of the Electric Flag, 
Um, Harvey worked with the Dawes. He was a uh, bass player on Miles Davis's Pitcher's Brew album, amongst other albums. And um, I'd like to introduce everybody to Mr. Harvey Brooks. Good morning, Harvey. Good morning, Elliot. Good morning, folks out there. Yeah, how how uh, how you guys doing in Israel? Everybody safe and sound and uh, doing what they have to do? Well, yeah, you know, it's uh, we're all in the same boat. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, even different continents, different, but we're all going through the same changes. And uh, yeah, we'll get th- we'll find a way to get through it. Um, we're um, you know we'll work out the problems, work out all the details, but. To um, happier things, happier thoughts. Um, we're going to talk about music today, and what I like to do is get started. You are a New Yorker by birth, like I am, correct? And you mm-hmm. started your musical career in New York, and um, I know you um, were involved in the folk um, music um, um, genre before getting into the rock and roll end. Um, what I'd like to do is like let's go back to how you picked up the bass and, and what made you become um, you know uh, to, to pursue playing bass as your instrument. Yeah, um, the uh, the whole thing of it is is you know there's a, a natural uh, progression. You know, every, everything in your life uh, starts to become part of a progression, uh, and. And how it progressed for me was uh, in my junior high school French class, we had a show and tell day. Now, uh, I guess I was, you know, well, however you are in junior high school. Yeah, about 10, 11, um, I guess. And my friend, something like that. And my friend Bob Bob Rose, he brought a guitar in and he, and he showed everybody in the class about the guitar and he taught me two chords. And then two weeks later, he hired me to play uh, and play with him at a uh, church gig. And I, I made 50 cents, and I played my, my two <laughs> chords, and he played all the other stuff. And, and so eventually, we developed a friendship. It progressed. And, and then we added a drummer, and, and, and then we started playing around town. We had two guitars, drums, and a saxophone. Oh. And... Uh, we, we had a band called the Citations. It's part of the story in the book, uh-huh. as well. And and um, you know then we, we got a manager, and we got a manager because uh, in high school I was in a high school fraternity, and one of the graduating fraternity brothers uh, was got involved in New York politics, and in the politics he, he needed a band to to play at events. And um, are we okay? Yes, we're fine. Okay. And um, so we had this band, and I was playing a second guitar. And uh, one day he came in and said, look, uh, they're making electric basses now, so you'll play the bass. And I said, okay. Wow. You know, I want to... I want to stay in the band. And I'll play the bass. So those two chords and really took us. Those two chords lasted yeah. you a long time. <laughs> you know, it started this whole thing, and so Sid took us down to to uh, Greenwich Village to a club called Trudy Heller's. Oh yes, which Trudy, was a Trudy. famous, huh? part, yeah, part of the Eighth Wonder. All of these uh, yes. 8th Street, 9th Street, in Greenwich Village, and so uh, and I, I saw my first electric guitar player, uh, a bass player. 
and he was amazing. Uh, he was in a, a band called the Four Saints, and so that was sort of my my uh, inspirational start on the bass. And then I started playing six nights a week. Well, so you were really, really young when you got into that whole bass thing, you know, actually into yeah. playing. Yeah, you, well, you, um, you're probably underage to get into those clubs. Well, uh, let's say I think I got out of high school. It was that last year of high school. I was seventeen. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 16, uh, yeah. Sixteen, seventeen. And New York, something like that. Yeah, eighteen was the um, w- w- was the legal age to get into bars and stuff back then. I remember. So yeah, you were probably okay. Yeah. Um, so it just <laughs> well, evolved into that. That was incredible. And then um, you did get involved in the folk scene. Well, yeah. Well, now as a result of playing, and you know, and I also you know got involved in touring with well, with rhythm and blues acts. Um, you know, as uh, in, when you're in the village, and you know the 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 mafia kind of like owns everything, right? You know, all the clubs, and 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 so you get kind of inter intertwined between playing in the clubs and then playing uh, record hops with. Uh, recording artists uh-huh. and I, I started doing some of that as well and and so that led to uh, a tour with a, a group called the Exciters who had a hit called Tell Em was oh, their yeah. big hit okay. and then I, I, I was on the road with them and so then I'm back playing in a little bar and I get a call from Al Cooper who, yep, who yep, said yep, I yep. snuck into this I snuck into this session with Bob Dylan who I didn't know who that was at the time. Really? Wow. And he said, they need a bass player, and you want to do it? I said, sure. So that was my step into uh, the world of uh, pop music. But wow. from that, because he was a folk artist first, I got all these folk sessions. I played with uh, Tom Rush, uh, Judy Collins, just all these folk yeah, artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as a result of the Dylan session, Ian and Sylvia, um, Ian and Sylvia, yep, yep, Richie Havens, yeah, Richie Havens. Wasn't Havens a great guy? Fabulous guy. Yeah, I, I, I knew really, Richie. Really, yeah, really uh, good. What a sweetheart he was. You know, did you um, also work with I Buzzy? Did, did you also do some sessions with Buzzy Linhart? Um, I didn't record with Buzzy, but I know, but I knew Buzzy, knew Buzzy yeah. forever. We used to. Hang out at the loft with him and Serge uh-huh. Katzen, and and uh, whoever came into town, he'd always end up at Buzzy's. And, yeah. and Buzzy was good; he had a good little band. Yeah, he did. Um, Buzzy, um, I Rising think, Sun. Yeah, the Rising Suns. Buzzy used to live with John Sebastian, I believe. Right? They roomed together for a while. Hmm. That I don't know. Yeah, I think they did. I could be wrong. But yeah, Buzzy passed a few months ago. He was another great guy. He, um, yeah, what a that. talent. Yeah, he. Um, he was a great guy. I used to talk to Buzzy a lot. Um, anyway, so you did the folk thing. Um, Dylan must have been a real trip to work with. He, um, you know, back then, I understand he was putting out more music than he could um, ever record. You know, he he was like a, a, a machine just pumping out songs daily. But what what was it like doing well, a session just, with him? It was a con- yeah, um, the, the thing about doing the sessions... Um, he was in constant motion. Right. It's like um, we'd be doing something, and he'd be either correcting or changing a line in that song or the next song. Uh, but 
you know, he understood, and it's obvious, you know, why he's who he is. Right. But he understood what it took to make it happen. You know how important the performance was, and what was most important was his performance to his satisfaction, irregardless of what was going on around him. If somebody made a mistake, if his take was good, that was it. Right. And so the the whole challenge was to be there when he got there. To keep up with him. You know, with your part. Yeah. I yeah. just I understand he was really afraid of sleeping at night because he's afraid he'd um you know, he he lose concentration and and lose thoughts about songs he was writing about what he had to do in the studio. His oh, um you know his, I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah. His um um library was so vast back then that um I don't think anybody will ever touch that again. What what an incredible songwriter and uh, performer. Um, yeah, he's not doing so bad now either. So. No, his new album is incredible. Have you heard it? Yeah. Yeah, great album. Um, he, uh, yeah, he hasn't stopped. And, um, you know, uh, well, you know, he, he's, he's, he's one in a billion. I don't know if there would be another Bob Dylan. But um, you guys were pretty much the influential part that started out the whole folk rock scene back then well yeah you know it, it's funny right after that the uh, Highway 61 album uh, Cooper got a call to do uh, an album with Tom Rush yeah and when we did the, basically the same thing uh, as with Dylan uh-huh. uh, with, with Tom Rush no and so fo- it, it became folk rock yes folk rock was folk with a drummer uh-huh. you know with a backbeat yep and electric bass an electric bass. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And so you guys are pretty much the foundation of all that. Um, a lot of uh, great, great acts came out of that um, whole scene. The Birds, you know, eventually, you know, Tom Petty from the Birds, the Eagles. Uh, sure. The, you know, a lot of guys uh, followed you and um, that, that electric Dylan band pretty much. And um, th- that band that you were working with was, was pretty much what they would call today, um, you know, a super group. You know the guys who came out playing with with you. Uh, it was you, obviously, and uh, Al Cooper, and Dylan, and right, Al uh, Cooper. Yep, Mike Bloomfield. You know, eventually, uh, uh, Robbie Robertson. Robbie. Yep, yep. It was that was a super group, only in reverse. Instead of all your great guys coming together from different acts, you all came from the same basis and went out and did your thing. Um, just look at look at your tree. Look look what you um, where you wound up. You know, you went through. Um, you know the electric fa- uh, electric flag phase. You you, you know uh, the, with um, Nick Rabinides and Buddy Miles and, and those guys, and then um, you know you wound up you know, working with the Doors. Did you play um, at the Felt Forum with the Doors when they played the Forum? I did. Yeah, I saw that show. I did. Yep, that was you. And um, yeah, I remember the Felt Forum. That that was it was with the big band. Uh huh. You know, we did Touch Me and we did yep. all that stuff. Yep. Yeah, I was at that show, and uh, incredible stuff. And people don't realize, um, you know, they they remember the Doors being um, a four-piece band, but just the people that, um, the session people that work with the Doors, guys like you. Um, I spoke to Mark Benno um, a few weeks ago. He was on the L.A. Woman Sessions. Uh-huh. You know, so they always had some great guys in with them. In fact, he was telling me this story that... Um, uh, he was in Texas, and somebody said, "We got this group in New York called the Doors. They want you to come out and play with them, and you know they do an album, blah blah blah." And um, he said, "Who are the Doors?" And they said, uh, "They said to him, um, 
the doors. Do you know that song, Light My Fire? That's their song. And he said, oh, Jose Feliciano's in that band? <laughs> it was like... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it all comes from perspective. Uh. Okay, so we're back with Dylan, and um, from Dylan, you do all these other sessions, and eventually you were um, offered um, a staff production spot with Columbia. Is that correct? Yeah, after uh, after the Electric Flag, I, I uh-huh. became a staff producer. Oh, let's go back to Electric uh, Flag then. Let's 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 kind of stay in order if, if we can. I, I'm out of order, not you. So, the Electric Flag was a super group. You probably right. had, you had the best players. It was pretty much um, Blood, Sweat, and well, Tears. You know, it was the greedier version. It was the greedier version of Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Yes, it was. But it was right. It, you know, and Blood, Sweat, and Tears put ahead. their thing up got their band together because of the electric flag but you guys were bluesier you were grittier you were more r&b influenced you were the real deal blood swing and tears pretty much sounded like um the corporate version especially when al left they kind of became the corporate version of um right of you guys okay i'm sorry well, you know there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of things um i'll try and go through it briefly sure and i i do treat this in the book somewhat yes uh but but there's a there's a whole thing that happened uh, after the Dylan sessions. I was doing all this stuff around town, and I got a call from a guy named Lenny Stogel, who was a manager, who had this guy that just came down from Canada, David Clayton Thomas, uh-huh. and he said, "Look, I, I want to do some demos with this guy." And so I said, "Well, I, you know, I only got a couple weeks. I'm getting ready to go out to uh, Mill Valley in San Francisco." Uh, to join the flag, like this band uh-huh. didn't have a name then, and uh, I said, I, and I got a few little time, so uh, he came over my apartment, and I worked over a few songs with uh, David Clayton Thomas. We went in and did the demo, and so and then I leave, you know, and I go out there, and the word I got from Cooper was, you know, like after Monterey Pop, he was nervous about the fact that we were doing the horn band, yeah. which, you know, he wasn't you know, he was, wasn't sure, but he felt comfortable because we were doing R&B, kind of like right, jazz, right. funk, blues, uh-huh. R&B. And he was going the whole other direction of pop. Right. Um, so, the, so the end result of all of this is, the flag goes in, uh, Blood, Sweat and Tears fires Cooper after this time. Yeah. And 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 uh, the the electric flag self explodes via drugs and alcohol uh-huh. and uh, people's inability to be professional and it just kind of blew up and uh, so yeah what a shame funny. what a shame that was that that there was a that band was murderous they were incredible um, killer band it was a killer band and. Um, uh, the rhythm section, you and Buddy Miles. I mean, how can you beat that? It was, um, in, in, you know, the story of Buddy very quickly uh-huh. is that I was working with some, uh, a guy who who managed Murray the K. Okay. And Murray the K was was putting on the show at the uh, at one of the movie theaters downtown in Manhattan, uh-huh. and it was the first appearance of the Cream, first appearance of the Who, in America. Right. And Wilson Pickett was on the bill. So I think there was a Dick and Clark. Was a drummer. That, yeah, there was a Dick Clark show, I think. 
No, no, no. It was Murray the K. Oh, Murray the K took it. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah, I don't think Dick Clark was. I'm not sure. Yeah, you're right. I but think. But it yeah, was you, Murray you, the K. You're definitely right. Yep. It was Murray the K, and and we did, and Buddy was a drummer, and I told the guys in the band because they had contacted me to join the flag, and so now I was the bass player along with the piano player and the guitar player, Bloomfield Goldberg was the. Uh, Piano player, yep, yep, yep. And, and so I, I hear Buddy, who's phenomenal, and I tell the story in the book. It's 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 longer, but that's uh, that's how that all happened. And Buddy became the drummer. We stole him from Pickett. Wow. And uh, and, and and out west we went. Wow. And that was that. That was an all-star band. Uh, that was, um, you know, I know Bloomfield had his problems. I know, um, you know whatever but but he was probably and still is to this day the greatest blues player that america put out yeah he could play yep he really play and um i mean nobody in that band there were no slouches in that band now that band didn't really last long i think the original lineup you were there i think for the entire um a lineup of, of the flag but uh, i think barry goldberg left after after a short time Right, right. Yeah, yeah, and uh, John. He had to. It's yeah. life or death. Yep. Uh, in fact, Barry's going to be on the show next week. Um, uh, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's out in California now. I'm going to talk to Barry next week. But um, John Simon filled in for that if, when Barry left. He became the keyboard player. Well, well, he he and I produced the second album. Uh-huh. And, um, and actually, Herbie Rich became the organ player. Herbie. Played the the B three uh-huh. and the saxophone. Oh, okay. And uh, John Simon came in as a producer, and he did a lot of the arranging, right? Uh, and 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 piano playing, well, uh, as well as Herbie. I know a lot of people haven't heard this tune, but um, there was a movie that came out. You are what you eat, and um, <laughs> right, right, you guys right. did an incredible uh, freakout, right? It was called Freakout. What an incredible instrumental! It was it was insanity. It was um, blues on acid. That's what it was, pretty much. And um, you know, well, it, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was incredible. I have a I have two Desert Island songs. You know, amongst you know the thousands, your um, the Electric Flags version of Killing Floor and Freak Out. Right. Those are two of my all time favorite. Kill the tunes that were ever recorded. Um, if I do well, a sound, was that from the trip? Freak no. out. Uh, freak out was from the movie. Um, you are what you eat.
Leslie Brooks um, podcast. Again, you can find it on any of the uh, podcast carriers. And just go to Not Your Mother's Radio, and you should be able to find a whole slew of them. And we're adding more daily, and um, we have some new ones coming up. And so whatever you don't hear on the network here, you'll be able to find on the TTT. Whatever's not on the TTT radio network, you'll be able to find on Not Your Mother's Radio podcast. And, um, you know, it's on um, Spreaker. It's on um, I'm on Spotify. Uh, Apple will be ca- carrying it. Wherever you get your uh, podcasts. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Trust the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts to recommend the best products for your car. Like five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil, just $31.95. Plus get a $10 O'Reilly gift card with your purchase. Extend the life of your vehicle and improve performance with a synthetic oil change. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit OReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You'll be able to find us. So, um... I'm going to start uh, looking to, um, I'm going to put something on, and I'm going to get um, Arthur Barrow on the line. So um, bear with us. This one is called Velveteen Time Bomb, and it's from um, Arthur Barrow's album AB3. Hope you like this one. I love it.
great. And um, um, I guess you know what you know what we're doing here. What we, if this is just a laid back, um, me and you sitting in a living room type atmosphere. And what I'd like to do is kind of get into the nuts and bolts on, on kind of what made you um, become the artist you are today. And I know for a fact that you went out to um, California and um, your main goal was to work with Frank Zappa. Yeah. And you got yeah. to do that. And um, so boy, just tell us how, uh, how, how, the, how you started out. Um, well, in, in, in terms of Zappa, I mean, I don't know how far you want to go, go back. I started playing a plastic ukulele in second grade. <laughs> yeah, we all and did. Then I, I got my first electric guitar uh, somewhere between seventh and eighth grade. And I played in bands all through high school. I, well, I just posted a thing on uh, Facebook that some of you might might have seen, but got my had my '65 uh, Stratocaster worked on lately, uh, recently. And uh, I saw that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I bought that when I was a sophomore in high school for a, a, a mere $165. It's worth a bit more now. Yes. Uh, and. Uh, and then I went off to music school. I didn't know really what I wanted to do with my life exactly, but I music was kind of the only thing I'd, I'd, I'd done to speak of. I was a good student and everything. I made good grades. And that part of it was that the um, that I, one of the reasons I needed to stay in school was because it was the era of the Vietnam War. I graduated high school in 1970. And if you stayed in school, you could get student deferments and you could stall and which is what I did, and so the not going to college was not really an option because I had a bad draft number, 83 or 86 or something like that, out of 365. Wow. So that was not good, and it was scary. And uh, anyway, so I was lucky enough to end up at North Texas, in Denton, Texas, North Dallas, which turned out to be a fantastic music school. So um, the, I think the largest fully accredited uh music uh, university music school in the in the country uh berkeley has more students but it's not a fully accredited school i guess or something like that anyway right. but it's really great and um and stayed there for four years one and one of the reasons i went there is because i had gotten real interested in uh synthesizers and turns out they had uh some synthesizer labs there with beautiful old moog systems well they weren't old then they were new um but uh so that was re really cool. So I, I did my four years there, but uh, just uh, just to back up a little bit, I discovered Zappa when I was in high school, and uh, started liking him more and more, and saw him perform a couple of times in San Antonio, and um, and the the more I listened to his records and, and saw him play live, the, the more I liked him, and um, and so by the time I was in college, I was you know listening to his stuff very heavily. You know, I was in the during the early 70s when Frank was coming out with some of his best stuff, like Overnight Sensation and the yeah. Roxy album. And um, so I, I just became a big fan, and I finished my uh, um, finished my college. Uh, I ended up being a, a composition major because only composition majors, it turns out, were uh, allowed to go into the electronic music labs and, and use the Moogs. Um, so um, I, I finished my four years, and I wasn't academically oriented. And by then, the, the worries about the Vietnam War had pretty much passed by 1975 when I was finishing up there. And, um, you know, some of my friends that I knew were, you know, kind of jazzer guys, and, well, they're going to go to New York and try to make it in New York. And 
And uh, then I had friends in, back in San Antonio that said, oh, maybe you should move back to San Antonio and join our band. And then I had a friend, uh, my friend Phil Glosserman had moved out to California and he said, man, you ought to come here. And, um, and by that, I was like real into Zappa and I, 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 I decided to go for it. I thought, well, I'm just going to go to, you know, go out to LA and, you know, um, well, my goal being to eventually play with Frank Zappa. You know, I think all right. my friends probably thought I was nuts. Would never happen. But um, I, things fell into place. And um, excuse me for a second. Sure. I got to turn my hair. Um, and, uh, you know, I met, I started meeting people associated with Zappa. Um, I, met, I met Don Preston, through whom I met. Uh, the Fowler brothers and uh, um, and it just seemed like there was we just keep running into people that were somehow associated with Zappa. You and the time I was doing a I don't know accompanying a, a singer for some kind of audition that was uh, down in Hollywood and uh, I looked over and there was Ian Underwood sitting there awesome. and he was there doing the same thing I was doing you know, accompanying me accompanying somebody a singer for a um, for some kind of audition for uh, I don't know what. But, um, and, you know, then, you know, and I played in bands and all that kind of right, stuff. Right. And it was made pretty living. And one day I heard uh, through my friend Phil that, that Zappa was going to fire Terry Bozio and Patrick O'Hearn and was looking for new uh, bass and drums. And by that time, Don Preston had given me um, Zappa's phone number. And I had it in my little book, and I had never called. And I said, well, this is the time to call, I guess. And so I did and got him on the phone. And told him I'd uh, learned uh, the melody of Inca Rhodes and the bass as an exercise. Uh -huh. And he said, oh, really? And maybe he didn't believe me. He said, uh, well, you know the middle part of St. Alfonso? that goes da 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 I said, well, yeah. And he says, well, learn that by ear on the bass for me and play that at your audition, which was going to be in a week or something like that. Right. And so I did, and I worked on it, and came time for my audition, and went down there and got uh, got plugged in. I was the first guy there, and when Frank came in, and I was all plugged in and ready to go, and came over and talked to me and shook my hand. I said, well, here's that thing you asked me to learn, and I I whipped it out, as the saying goes, yes. and um, and I played it, and he, he says, well, I, I hear a few wrong notes in there, but you've got potential. <laughs> uh, I want you to stick around. Uh, yeah. So I did, and luckily for me, uh, it was the same time as Vinny Kaliuta auditioned and got in the band, and also Ike Willis. We were all hired at the same time, yeah. and um, it was just it was it was fantastic. Yeah, very, very challenging and a dream come true. I, I did a, a real 180. I had been right before then. I'd been had a steady gig uh, four or five days a week at uh, at Disneyland. Oh. Playing with a, 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 a top 40 group, the, I think they're called the Taylor Sisters, playing sure. cheesy Disneyland kind of oriented music. Uh -huh. And I went from that to uh, making 300 bucks a week at that and did a, a complete 180 from, from Disneyland working for Frank Zappa, where my salary went up to 500 bucks a week. Wow. So. And um, that, that's, that, that's an incredible story because you said out to me, Zappa, and you did it. It's funny. Yeah. I, I I set out to meet Zappa too, and I wound up with Flo and Eddie. <laughs> I worked with Flo and Eddie for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I, I, I love them. The first uh, yeah. first 
last uh, couple of times I saw, saw Zappa was with the Flo and Eddie band. Yeah, that was bad. They, they were just wonderful. Eddie, he, he, when I saw him in uh, 71, I guess, yep, it was yep, probably yep. late, uh, or, or I don't know, in the summertime, some to August or something in 71, and the band was just fantastic, and they did uh, they did the, the whole groupie routine at the yep. end as an encore, and Frank yep. said, oh, I didn't know if people in San Antonio would be ready for this X-rated material, but we're going to yep. go ahead and do it. Yeah, Happy Together and, was the encore, right? And yeah, and they, this is before the album had come out, the, uh -huh. uh, the you know the white album. Yeah, the, so yeah, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. And uh, all when they you know get to the end and and, and bust out into uh, so happy together, I just about died. I know. <laughs> I know. I, so I, I saw them at the Fillmore when they recorded that album. <laughs> oh really? And, yeah, and I saw them on um, that um, that night. Uh, Friday, Paul McCartney was in the audience, and Saturday, oh, really? the late show. Yeah. Saturday at the late show, yeah. they, they played with Lennon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw that Lennon piece, and, um, uh, you know, not too long after that, you know, Mark and Howard left the band, and um, they went out on their own, and they had that band, you know, the Flow and Eddie right. band that broke up. And after that, um, I was working in a club on Long Island called My Father's Place. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and um, yeah. we used to kind of semi-manage them, and we sent them off to Jamaica, and we did a reggae album with them, Rock Steady with Flo and Eddie. Oh. And um, yeah, so I spent some time with them. They were great guys. They um, they was funny as heck, and uh, yeah, nothing was everything was a joke, and you know it was insanity. But they were great guys. Um, yeah, I worked with them briefly. This band I was in, another band I was in, right? Um, I, yeah, I guess this was before I got in Frank's band. Yeah, but it had to be. And somehow they, uh, that band, the guys met up with Flo and Eddie, and they had, uh, they pr produced, um, I don't know if it was one song or a few songs or whatever. But, um, yeah, they're was, they was still in their wild and crazy time then. Yep, yep. You know? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And, and Mark was so overweight yeah. that when he was mixing, he was, he was, like, listening intently to the speakers and sort of leaning, standing up, leaning over the console, and his belly wouldn't screw up the mix because it would bump the faders. Yeah, yeah, they, they, he was... <laughs> And you know what it was with them? They were funny, but they were like good cop, bad cop. You never knew. You never knew which one was going to be the good cop that day, though. It was like oh, really? you, one of them had to beat you up every day. It was like it was. It was like you, you, I was. Mark. Mark actually was a tough guy most of the time. Howard was a sweetheart, yeah. and yeah, um, yeah and um, Howard. Uh, Howard actually married our receptionist. He ran my receptionist, took off with them, and um, married Howard. She was his wife for. A good couple of years, and um, we had to find a new receptionist. <laughs> that's, that's my fluidity story. But yeah, Howard's um, uh, ill now. He's not touring anymore with the band. And um, uh, the guy from yeah. The, yeah, the guy from the Archies took his spot. And uh, you know, Mark's <laughs> Mark's still out there. Is Mark still well? Nobody's playing now. But no. Mark was up until the the shutdown. Was Mark still? Uh, playing live music? Yeah, Mark was still working. They do a yeah. summer tour, I think, whatever they call it. Uh, it was this Boys of Summer. I, I don't know which one they go out on, but they go out on one of the summer tours. With like Paul Rivera and the um, the Archies and the Cow Sills and you know all those, you know, all those bands. But yeah, um, I I liked Paul Rivera and the Raiders when I was yeah. in high school. Yeah. That's a good songs. They yeah. Really yeah, and yeah. the and the fucking Turtles were great. I mean, Happy Together is a fucking brilliant song. Oh, it is. It, Totally is. They, totally had, is. they really had some great albums. Um, you know, I actually bought their um, 
their album after and i think they what is if i recall correctly it's after frank got thrown off the stage and got injured that uh-huh. that band fell apart and then that's when they went out on their own if that's yeah. correct well, i think that's about right yeah don went with them don preston ainsley went out on the road um it was pretty much Zappa's band that they took, and uh, without Frank, yeah. yeah. And I remember, I, yeah, I bought their album when it came out, and it had, it had a couple of good things on it. I remember a song called "I've Been Born Again, Again." Yeah, again, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they, yeah the, is that the one where they did the um, uh, um, Faces cover, Afterglow? I don't know. That's yeah. the only song I remember from it, yeah, but I still yeah. have the, the vinyl yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah, they, they they were great, and then um, they lost their guitar player. He fell out of a window or something. Oh God! And then a few years later, um, I, right before we picked them up, I saw them at Hofstra University. They called themselves the Two and a Half Man Band. It was you know Flo and Eddie. They, I don't know if you know Andy Kahn. He was in. Uh, the yeah, band. I was just gonna say. I yeah. think yeah, I remember him. Yeah, I do know him. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that's right. He worked with them. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was the half man. <laughs> <laughs> Andy was on the show about a month ago. He's a, he's a funny character. And, um, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, talented guy. Just you know, pretty funny guy. And um, he spent a lot of time with um, Howard. Howard did a solo album that Andy worked on. But hey, let's get back to you. I know you. Okay. Did, you did some great, great stuff. That um, as I delved into your history, um, I, I didn't know. I mean, I knew the Untouchables, but I didn't know you had worked with them. That you had um, actually did some. You know. Uh, yeah, I, pr- I produced an album for them. Yeah, yeah Agent Double O Soul, and you did, yeah. and you worked with um, uh, Janet Jackson and Diana Ross. Yeah, yeah, br- briefly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, yeah. I met Diana Ross. I met both of them. And uh, you did some uh, great disco remixes in the day. Yeah, yeah. When I hooked up with Giorgio, that's after I after I was uh, I left the Zappa band um, a couple of years later in 1983 is when I. I hooked up with Georgia Maroder. Uh-huh. Uh, that was great because he was uh, he was making a comeback. You know, he was yeah. had made a ton of money in Italy, had a, a bunch of hits with Donna Summer, and then the yeah. the bottom fell out of the, the disco market. Right, he had that Back, big, he, had a, he did that big movie too, uh, American uh, Gigolo with Blondie. He leaves all over the place for a while. Yeah, yeah. He did Midnight Express. He got yep. an Oscar for that. Yep. That was before I was working with him though. But when. Uh, what happened? Uh, he uh, did uh, the uh, "What a Feeling" for the Flashdance movie, which was a big hit, and that's when I first met up with him. He was suddenly, after being kind of you know falling out of favor with the uh, the whole disco thing, he he made a comeback with that, and that's when he was suddenly he was needed to find musicians, and so um, I, I hooked up with him then, and I was. Right. Uh, I've always been into synthesizers, and by then I had a, a Roland Jupiter 8 synth, which is a really cool yeah, yeah. polyphonic synth that I still have back here in my room. And um, and I went up to his audition was very very different from auditioning for Frank. Instead of being in a you know the Frank thing was in a, on a, a movie lot. Frank would set up rehearsals in uh, sound stages. Um, right. And um, and you know it was a cattle callers you know. It was, lines of musicians waiting to audition. With Georgia, I went up to his beautiful house in Beverly Hills where he had a home studio and I walked into there and I was uh, delighted to see that he had two Jupiter 8s there. Oh, wow. I thought, oh, well, that's good. I know how to work those. And wow. um, and he put me together with an engineer and had a set of a song and my audition was to work with the engineer and come up with uh, tracks for this for this, this song. So that, that was how I, I auditioned. And um, 
you know, he was, and so the first thing I did when he hired me, it was like we went off to New York where he, he had that hit uh, with What a Feeling, uh-huh. but there was no album to go with it, you know, with Irene Cara. Right. So the uh, first thing was real quick as possible, you know, come up, uh, hustle out some new songs and, and put out an album for, you know, to go with the hit. Um, and uh, so, yeah, then it was a whirlwind for a few years there working for Giorgio. It was uh, another 180 kind of experience to go with Frank Zappa, the sure. avant-garde rocker, who, to working with Giorgio, who uh, was, you know, totally commercially oriented, you know, uh, hit maker. Well, and um, I learned a lot from both of them. Yeah, sure. yeah, well, I mean, they were tops in their in their fields. Um, you know, who's been on the show a few times? Patrick Leeson. Patrick Gleason. Now I know that now. Is he a synth guy? Yeah, he was like the Godfather yeah. of synths. He was, yeah, 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 yeah. He uh, he went out on the road with uh, Herbie Hancock originally. He was Herbie's uh-huh. guy for a while. Right, right. Yeah, and um, he has some great synth stories. But I'll tell you a great story. Rick Wakeman told me this story years ago. He had bought a when he was you know in Yes he had bought a you know a Moog, and you know I don't know if the um, if our guests know but they play one note at a time. They're monophonic. Right. They're monophonic. So he yeah. bought one. There was something like fifteen grand at the time. Oh and, yeah. And um, his dentist bought one. And his dentist bought one. Yeah, his dentist <laughs> bought one. You know those crazies. You know the crazy sixties. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, his dentist calls him up one day and he says to him, "I don't know what's wrong with this damn keyboard. It only plays one note at a time." So Wakeman says to him, it's probably busted. Let me pick it up. I'll take a look at it. And he took it and never gave it back. <laughs> so he wound, up with, he wound up with two of those bad boys. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a shame. At my school, there was, two, well, there was actually three modular Moog systems. One of them belonged to the teacher, Merrill Ellis. It was his own personal one that he had apparently worked in, hand in hand with Robert Moog uh, designing it, especially, you know, yeah. for himself. Uh, so he could use it in, in live performance, but then there was and then there was two there was two electronic studios A, a and B and both of them were equipped with full on Moog um, synthesizer systems, and not 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 to record with you know four tracks, sure. but uh, but still it was it was pretty cool. And as soon when uh, you know after I was in there for a while, I got uh, a, a job as a a teaching assistant, you know, helping people in in the lab with figure, you know, how to teach people how to use the mode and stuff. Uh-huh. So that meant I had a key to the labs and was sort of sort of an employee, and um, and so I could I could go there at night when nobody else was around and stay up late and cool. do what I wanted, fill about, and so that was, that was that was great fun. Yeah, wow, and that's what that's what um uh, Patrick was telling me that uh, he played these bird sounds for uh, Hancock and he loved them. And then Herbie said, well, maybe you could do something. It was, um, you know, he gave him, you know, one side of his album, and he said, you know, maybe you could fix this up for me. And um, he spent, like, he didn't go to sleep for, like, two nights, just, you know, tweaking that Moog so that when Herbie came back, everything was set to go, and he got the gig. He went on the road with them, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. Um, yeah, you can, really, you can really go down the rabbit hole with those modular synthesizers. I've got... Um, uh, I've got a surge system, which is a modular synth. Um, uh-huh. It's sort of a, a rare, unusual yep. one, yep. and I still got it. The thing is, you can you can start fiddling around with it because it it's unlike uh, unlike a computer thing. You know, there's great stuff. You know, I, I love my computer and all the sounds that are on there and everything. But 
this the cool thing about a, a synthesizer you could like well, let's see what would happen if i plugged it in the wrong way and yeah, you yep, can yep, try yep. anything at this what would happen if i did this yep, yep, yep. Um, and uh, so it's it, it's super fun yeah they are and uh, i think um, patrick said his first one was a, a bukla is that right bukla bukla yeah yeah. Bukla. yeah 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 my surge is very similar to a bukla uh-huh and those things were um yeah they, they were they they really were they, they they were just something to toy with they really didn't make any you know you had to really fix that sound the way you wanted it and it could take days to find the sound you wanted and there's no storing the settings either yeah 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 nothing to store no memory it has one one memory of what's on the board what's on it at that moment yep, yep. and um so um what what are your plans once this uh, pandemic thing is uh, over with are you you going to be hitting the road? oh gosh uh I don't know. I, I haven't really thought too much past it. Um, I went through a thing. Um, let's see. I guess it, 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 that's almost a year and a half ago now. I, I for uh, thirty-four years I had my own studio over in Mar Vista, uh -huh. which was just great, and I loved it. But um, the real estate values were going up, and uh, office prices and stuff, and my. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours greedy, horrible, nasty landlady uh, finally decided that she could uh, make more money if she kicked me out and, uh, and and fixed it up and rented out his office space. I wonder how she's doing now. Yeah. I hope badly. Yeah, really. <laughs> but anyway, and so that was very traumatic for me. And, um, and get this, she got, like, she gave me the, I got a nasty letter uh, from her attorney on Christmas Eve of 2018, it arrived. I almost fainted when I read it. And I was to be out of there by February 28th wow. uh, in two months, uh, which happens to be my birthday. So wow. between Christmas and my birthday, she really knocked it out of the park in the cruel timing department. Wow. And um, so that was pretty familiar, you know, so, and getting all my stuff out of there. And, you know, I, had to, I sold some stuff. I gave some stuff away. Uh, but I think it's all worked out okay. I, I, um, I was able to build this room that I'm in right now. Um, it's just a, a small, I don't even call it a studio, it's a music room. Right. But it's enough that I got, um, I got all my favorite old good stuff in here. I, I, one of the things I have that I love is I got a Hammond organ, an RT3, which was a, oh, wow. yeah. a bigger, bigger, B3 kind of thing. It's basically exactly the same except for the pedals. And right. it's got a full two and a half octave pedal board and an additional tube synthesizer to give you yeah. some more uh, sounds in the pedal area. And I, I, I kind of, I, for the most part, I hold on to my old stuff. I really do. And I got, uh, and I got that with a Leslie. I got my Fender Rhodes and my Clavinet and my Jupiter A and another JD800, an Overheim Expander. I got the poly box that uh, Tommy used to use, uh -huh. um, and my Surge and an electric comp, and uh, got my old Stratocaster in here and a, and a couple oh. of bases and 
So it's okay, and of course my computer set up and all that. Well, rub it in. So. I, have, I have a Korg DP88 and a Roland workstation. I'm jealous. Mm -hmm. I'm jealous. <laughs> I, I really am. Uh, it's wow. a, I, I, I'm, I'm blessed to have a, a nice, a nice system of uh, cool, cool old stuff. You know, there's a lot of so much great new stuff too. But you know, like there's you know really good synth, you know, computer yep. clavinets and Rhodes and stuff. But when you actually then A B and compare them with the real thing, I know it's not the same. I know, I know. Um, yeah, I just spoke to um, Jonah Louie last week from uh, Stiff Records. I don't remember Stiff. Um, Jonah, I remember the, yeah, Jonah that. Put, yeah, yeah, Jonah had a couple little hits for them, and he just bought a. Um, oh man, I, I, I damn, I forgot the name of it. They're they're red. They're red keyboards. Um, oh, Nord. Nords. He bought a Nord three hundred. Nord. Yeah, those are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's bought a Nord three hundred, and he's planning on going out once this thing's over. Um, yeah. So, anyway, to answer your question, I I don't know. I, it's like I I can't see anything happening before the end of the year. No, definitely not. And who knows if um, whether Trump is going to completely destroy the the country and, and take become a dictator and, and all that fucking stuff you want to hear the craziest oh. thing i went to my mailbox today i got a postcard i put it on facebook go to my page and check it out it says join president trump and vote by absentee ballot oh. it says i'm looking at it right now i'll be an absentee voter we have a lot of absentee voters it works so we're in the favor of, of absentee president trump i don't know what the hell this thing is it, it just goes against everything he's saying out there i i don't get it well, he's just such an unbelievable liar. Yeah, yeah, it's, I, I, it's just so horrible. I, I, just have, can't. I have a feeling he wants people to send these in and they'll just sit on them until after the election. But, yeah, yeah. That's, that is weird. That is yeah. bizarre. Yeah, it's on my Facebook page. Take a look at it. I, I scanned it I and will. put it up. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're in dismal times. Yeah, it's fucked up. And, you yeah. know, it, it, it isn't just him either. You know, no. he's the, the leader. But it, it, it turns out that this stuff's been... This you know QAnon and these other right wing fascists, and yep. these neo Nazis and shit. They they've been just waiting in the wings, yep. you know. And, and it's funny because Frank used to talk about that years ago that it was coming. Yeah, between the virus and all that shit, well, yeah, um, I'm just gonna hope for the best. Um, yeah, um, uh, but yeah, as far as touring, you know, honestly, I hadn't really done. I, I, I'm sort of self-isolated anyway. I haven't done very many live gigs for uh -huh. quite some time. And, uh, six or seven years ago, I was doing a bunch with Robbie Krieger, and, and there, there's a little thing we should talk about. that. Yeah, I, uh, I have some Robbie stuff here, too. Um, yeah, yeah. That album's, uh, I think today it was supposed to be released. I haven't got a copy of it yet. Uh -huh. But um, I was heavily involved with it. Robbie and I have been working on stuff for a long time, writing together. His, his last album from I don't I guess it's almost not maybe nine years ago. Uh, we recorded at my studio. Oh, really? And um, co-wrote most of it with him. Um, it's called Singularity, and it's got some great stuff on it. Yeah. And we toured a little bit uh, in like '03, '04, around that time. Uh, with it, and we had uh, Tommy Mars who's in the band, and uh, at one point Chad Wackerman played with us too, and, and Joel Taylor, and. Um, and so we did some gigs there, but um, then that Robbie, I think he was he was just well it was about about that time he bought a studio 
and I think he sank a lot of money into that. And the the band was not profitable. Uh-huh. Um, not that he was necessarily doing for that or, or needs to. He's he's well off, but um, he just decided to to not do that anymore. But we did go ahead and record just a bunch of tunes that um, it was co-written by the band. I, I was heavily involved in, in, what, in what, a lot of those. Why don't you pick a tune and we'll uh, play it? Pick a tune oh, okay. Um, I have how that. about uh, how about the drift? You you have so you have the on there. Uh, it's on singularity. Oh, you got singularity? Yeah. Um. Oh, let's see. Um. I have the other ones too, I believe. Let me take a look. The, yeah, I don't know if it's the new one. I don't think it's been officially released. Although no. some, the, it's been leaking out somehow. I've I've, I've seen I've found videos and stuff on uh-huh. YouTube of it. Um, with singularity, well, the big uh, big piece in there is um. um Russian Caravan, but that's pretty long. Um, well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll play two, three minutes and fade out. Uh, okay, there, there's one called Let It Slide that's pretty good, that's sort of Dorsey sounding. Then there's another one called, oh, shoot, what are, read me the uh, names of the... Okay, there's Russian Caravan, there's Southern Cross, Event Horizon, um, Coffin Dodger, Train Running Late, Let It Slide, Solar Wind, and House of Bees. I guess it's Southern Cross. That, that's a nice one. Okay, and here we go.
Krieger. Robbie I, Krieger. I, know, I always screw that one up. <laughs> did, you, did, did you ever see The Doors live? No, I never did. I saw The Doors live in um, New York wow. at the Felt Forum. And wow. um, and uh, uh, Morrison kept screwing up. Um, uh, uh, he kept like messing up and they had to keep starting. And finally, uh, Densmore threw a pair of sticks at him. And he said, fuck it, let's go to the next song. And, uh, what song was he doing? Was he I think they up? were doing um, uh, uh, Five to One. And huh. uh, yeah, and they, he used to do yeah, the And he said, next. Yeah, and um, you know who was in the band at that time? Um, not Harvey, not Harvey Brooks. Um, I oh, they had a bass player join yeah, the band? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll think of the name in a minute. I spoke to Harvey uh, yesterday. Uh, Harvey was on the um, uh, Soft Parade album. And I spoke uh -huh. and I spoke to Mark Benno. Uh, I speak to Mark a lot, but Mark was the guitarist on L.A. Woman. With oh, uh, really? yeah, I'll tell you a great story. He gets a call in Texas. You know, Mark used to work with Leon Russell, uh -huh. the Asylum Choir, and he gets a call from a uh, Bruce Botnick that we need a I need a Texas flavored guitar player. You know, um, with this band called the you know for the Doors. And he says to him, Who the hell are the Doors? Uh -huh. And he says, what do you mean, who the hell are the doors? He says, who are the doors? He said, don't you know that song, Light My Fire? And uh, Benno says to him, um, we'll say Feliciano's not no fucking band. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, so, so he said, the do he, he went to do, um, he did L.A. Woman, and he said he was, wasn't making much money at the time, and um, they were paying him uh, 5000 a week. Uh -huh. That was pretty album. good back then. Yeah, back then it was big, big money, and um, yeah, yeah. He so he he he's the um, second guitarist in L.A. Woman. Um, yeah. Well, uh, well, I always loved the Doors. Um, uh, yeah, sorry, before it was before Zappa, I was a Doors fan. I still am. I think those records really hold up well. Yeah. And um, no, but I know. Uh, just getting back to the Robbie thing, as long as we're at, um, so we, we did this album, and I'm heavily involved with it, co-produced and, and wrote and co-wrote a lot of the stuff on there. And uh, it, it's coming out. Robbie's been getting um, a, a lot of press. We had an article in Billboard magazine, and just today I got a link that he'd done one for all things Forbes magazine. Wow. And there was something else. Uh, what was the other one? Was Oh, yeah, Rolling Stone was the first one I saw all about the new album so and robbie's been very kind he's mentioned my name a lot of times and uh and we've got it's and the, the interviews seem to em emphasize the zappa uh, doors relationship because uh first because of me and then i also brought in like tommy mars was playing in the band oh, really and, uh, wow. yeah and and chad wackerman wow. uh that was part of the reason that the <laughs> the, tommy is part of the reason why the band was so expensive and not not making money because tommy and said he, he insisted on having a real Fender Rhodes and a real uh, Hammond V3 with Leslie. And that got expensive, and it meant you had to have another roadie just yeah. to deal with all the equipment. And But, you know, uh, no, Tommy's on it, and uh, in the horn section, Sal Marquez is in there, too. And um, Oh, Sal's doing the show, yeah. too. I spoke with Sal. Like no, well, he, he, was, he didn't tour with us. He uh -huh. would, Frank would, I'm Frank, Robbie would have him um, sit in when we do local gigs, and... Uh -huh. um, he was part of the horn. We did horn arrangements. I I, I did the horn arrangements. I think right, most of them. Right. And so we had a little horn section. Sal was part of. Um, but that album is coming out, and it's got some really great stuff on it, and some some great players. And I think people would enjoy that. And um, just you know, while I'm still here on the air, I want to also mention that uh, 
I, uh, I, you know, Martha Davis of the motels, um, you, you know who she is, I, I suppose. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I worked with her in the 80s back during the, the Giorgio time and worked on a couple of albums with her. And um, in the late 80s, early 90s, we started getting together to write material together, write songs. And we came up with some, turns out, really good stuff we'd kind of forgotten about for a long time. She had this Weasley manager. It was some guy. It was a, know, some dried up, washed up record company executive. And we'd write a new cool song and give him a tape. And he'd go, oh, I don't know. I don't hear a hit. You know, uh-huh. and all this, and, and wouldn't do anything with it. So we did that, did that, and did that. And finally, after a while, we just kind of, you know, we stopped writing together for one reason or another. Right. But um, as I was. Um, going through all my old stuff like i said when i was, had to leave the studio i'm going through dad tapes and i found some tapes with some of the songs we'd written so i i transferred them into the computer so i'd have them for posterity and it got in touch with martha and uh started talking about some of our old songs and she had some songs that i didn't have copies of and um she, we got kind of excited again and with the, the uh, with all the stuff going on between the the virus and and then all the protests, uh, the, yeah. the you know the Black Lives Matter and all this stuff. Right. She had remembered a song that I'd kind of forgotten about that she had a copy of called Comfort Me, and she says, "Well, let's just let's put that out on you know so it's out on YouTube or whatever." It she, you know, because it seemed timely. The, the the flavor of it seemed to uh, be maybe something that people would need to hear at a time like this, and so we did that, and uh, people seemed to like, it, and so she decided to. That what we should do is we got you know seven or eight i think pretty darn good songs wow. uh to put out one a month and so we've done we've done two this the second one is called sweet sensation which is also really nice and uh we got a third one that's coming out uh very soon um and it's it that's really kind of cool to have that go something i did 30 years ago that's yep. like rather than, rather than just go to waste because there's some good stuff in there well you know let people hear it and the mixes and recording quality is good enough that you know with some creative mastering the the tracks actually sound pretty darn good yeah um do you know what i got into the, uh, you know what album i got into this week you're gonna what? um strange news from mars oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John Larson's thing with Tommy, yeah. Yeah, but you were on that too. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know, what am I doing? I kind of forget. I yeah. I remember working on it, but Yeah, you were on that album too. I think you um did keyboards and uh, you played bass on it. Did I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, I covered. That was yeah, that was done at my studio too. Yeah, it's very very, very that's a good album. Um in fact, um well, since you don't remember it, then I'm not going to play anything. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll play something that means a little more to you, but it's a great album. And um also, um, I got into some of the Mona Lisa Orchestra stuff. Mona Lisa Overdrive. Oh my God. I mean, Mona Lisa Overdrive. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Which is, um, I mean, there's two wow, or three. That... There's two or three new um, Mona Lisa Overdrive bands, but they all go back to you. You you did yours in the early '90s, right? What do you mean? There are two or three Mona Lisa Overdrive there's, bands. There's new versions of that band. I mean, it's not you, but it's the name is being used there is? again. Yeah. Really? Yeah, the new, yep, yep, yep. The name is being used again by a Swedish band and I think wow. a duo in um, England, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of, I always thought it was kind of a dumb name. It was named after some book, this yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah, 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 a UF, uh, science fiction book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Well, that's interesting because the guy we were signed with a record company um, owned by um, oh shit, what was it called? It was sort of a new age record company. They had a, made a different division for our, uh-huh. our 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 industrial thing that we did. Um, heat or something. He had been he had been in Tangerine Dream. Oh, oh, oh pri- private private music. Private music. That's yeah, right. Peter, yeah. Peter Bellman. I knew Peter. You know, I know Peter. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, he. Um, when we were going to be Mona Lisa Overdrive, we discovered that before us there was another band called Mona Lisa Overdrive, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and he, as my understanding was, he bought the rights to the name from this other guy. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, that was my understanding. Because so, there was um, there was some um, there was some uh, Mona Lisa Overdrive albums. I think as late as like. 2012 2014 really yeah you guys oh, you guys you guys did one album right yeah one it wasn't even a full album it was an ep i think uh-huh yeah yeah that kind of that kind of went nowhere yeah but it's interesting <laughs> interesting stuff it was um a lot of people kind of um referenced it to ministry that type of a sound like a goth yeah sound. yeah yeah i remember another guy i was working with joe was he was real into that band yeah and um yeah, it was pretty interesting stuff. But um, I found another thing that was pretty cool that you worked on. It was called Dances with Weasels. Oh, yeah. What is, what that's, is that? that? That's, uh, that's you, Linder uh, Valdemetz, Scott McGregor, and um, Steve Dal- 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 Dalbeck. It's pretty interesting know. stuff. You, you, were only on I... one, you were on one cut on it. And... Um, yeah, I remember that name, but I don't remember any, anything else about it. Well, kick back a second. Let's see. Let me see if I can get it. Standing ovation when I 
Get up, 96. And it's Arthur Barrow with uh, Roland St. Germain, uh, Neglected Orphans, and uh, some other people. And um, you don't you don't remember oh, too I much. Didn't, I, didn't realize, I didn't realize you were playing that one on the air. I would have <laughs> yeah. picked something else because I don't even remember that. <laughs> yeah, but it's a pretty cool tune. I, okay. I, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm so, I, you see, that's why I'm so happy when um, I know who's coming on the show. I have to do a lot of research, and, and I'm finding these gems. You know, finding these uh, diamonds in the you know diamonds in the rough, so to speak. There's uh -huh. some killer stuff out there that you, that that you've worked on, and um, you don't remember it, but I do. And, you know, so I'll, I'll you know I'll, I'll tell you what I found. There's some great stuff out there. Well, I, I, just another thing that <clears throat> I've been working on currently is I've got um, uh, uh, a friend of mine named Larry Climus, a horn player, a sax player. Uh -huh. uh, and I um, just before I had to leave the studio, we started working on some interesting sort of ambient pieces. Oh, wow. And we've got one that we finished up um, and uh, and put it out on the Internet. We call it Martian Sunset and we have it on YouTube and stuff. And it's just this really cool, abstract ambient thing. And um, we called I had a uh, my, my jam band, if you are improv band uh, for a long time at the studio, I would couple of times a year invite to, over some musician friends and I, I just it was in you know the area called Mar Vista here in LA where I live right. and so just just kind of a joke I call it the Mar Vista Philharmonic which right. is also MVP most <laughs> valuable players yeah, yeah. and uh, and we that guy John Larson that put out Strange News from Mars also put out um, um, no Forest Fire, which was that band doing some improvs. Did you did you find that one in your searching around? I don't know if I found that one, but you know what I did find. That's a, that's a good one. Yeah, I'll have to find that one. But um, I also... that's got that that um, has uh, Benny Caliuta on drums. Got Tommy Mars on keyboards. My friend Larry's on there. Oh, and uh, and uh, uh, and uh, Tom. I'm mean, not Tom Fowler. Bruce Fowler and Walt Fowler. Oh, wow. So it's an incredible uh, lineup of musicians. I sort of, looking back and amazed that I could talk those guys into coming over. I remember one time I called Bur Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's Bacon or Sausage Egg and Cheese Biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's Breakfast Biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's Bacon or Sausage Egg and Cheese Biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Bruce, and we've been doing it for a while. And I said, well, I'm going to put it together in the jam. And sometimes we'll have them like on Solstice and Equinox and that kind of thing just for fun. And sure. Ed Bruce is kind of, can be kind of gruff and uh, 
and he, I said, so you want to come? He said, well, what are we going to do? I said, well, we're, we're going to do what we always do, Bruce. We're just going to go for it, go through. Oh, okay, I'll be there. Well, <laughs> um, it's really... And you're just, we have that, just to finish, we have that level of musicians like Bruce Fowler and Walt Fowler and Tommy Morris, who ears or brains are so quick. Yeah. Um, you know, Bruce will play two or three notes, and that'll suggest something to Mars, and, and he'll take that and run with it and, and harmonize it and do things to it, which will then trigger something else for Bruce to do. And, you know, you can't really do that and have it just kind of go anywhere harmonically without, without musicians at that level. Plus, they worked together uh, for a long time. You know, they... uh, No, not Bruce and Tommy. They were never in the Zappa band at the same time. Oh, they weren't. Okay. No, uh, Bruce is from the, he's from the, uh, you know, the early 70s stuff. Right, right, right. All that really good stuff, the yeah, Roxy yeah. and so forth. Uh, and then Tommy got in the band a year before I did. Tommy got in the band in 77. So aside from, um, well, I guess we, we worked on the band from Utopia album. Oh, Tommy worked on that. Okay. But mo mostly the interaction would, would have been at my place, uh, in my studio, the, uh, jamming and stuff. Um, um, so, yeah, if you could find a, uh, it's Mar in Mar Vista Philharmonic, no forest fire. Um, I wish, I, I, you know, now I see what you mean about the playlists. I didn't right. realize how the area was going to go if I wouldn't know it. Well, that's cool. That. Well, you know what I did find? I found Gateway to the Galaxy. Um, oh, Marcus Rezac. Marcus yeah. Rezac with Joel Cummings yeah. and Chris Myers. But, right. but uh, before we before we do this, um, we were talking about private um, records earlier, uh, Peter Bellman. Right. Patrick O'Hearn did an album for him. Oh, that's right. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah oh, Patrick yeah, yeah. went off. He, he got all new, new agey and stuff. After yeah, that. yeah. I think he did more than one actually, and I think he did one with uh, Ravi Shankar. And, uh huh. Uh, yeah, which was pretty cool stuff. And um, yeah, so that Pat, was, Pat's a nice guy. Yeah, yeah, great bass player too. But um, yeah. yeah, he did. He got into the new age thing. Um, yeah, so this Misty Magic, the tune that I have from the um, Gateway to the Galaxy, is a pretty cool tune. And um, well, what else? What else have you got? If you're thinking of playing more stuff, well, I got um, I got tons of stuff. Um, I have all the Zappa stuff that you worked on that we even that we didn't even visit yet. Um, you you were on um, uh, Joe's Garage, right? Right. And um, you actually did vocals on that too, right? You did some backup vocals. Oh, not much. Just like uh, with the rest of the group. Um, uh -huh singing like the the chorus on little green rosetta with oh. the whole bunch of people standing around but no not really no oh, okay. there, there is i did get uh, i did he frank did fail to give me credit and then i don't i don't i think he just probably forgot uh on um the song joe's garage um going back to my my stratocaster there about with a sophomore in high school it's a stratocaster it was a secondhand stratocaster with a whammy bar yeah and um and I that would think that was part of the inspiration. It, it was so it's funny, this interesting story of Joe's Garage is it was the end of a tour and we're all standing around after a gig and we're just talking about our garage bands and laughing and talking about it. And it, with anybody else, it would have just been, um, oh, I touched my phone. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, okay. Uh, it would have just been a conversation. Yeah, uh -huh. but Frank turns it into a fucking three album set and a whole story of I rock opera. And uh, so... Uh, so when I hear the, uh, and you know, we rehearsed in my garage and we had a Dodge. Yeah. And uh, I think that was sort of part of this inspiration for some of those lines. Uh, Definitely sounds like some, it. Yeah, it wasn't very large. It was just enough room to cram the drums in the corner over by the Dodge. Yeah. Yes. 
with it was a little cheesy little amp, a silence run set, Fender champ, and a second hand guitar. It was a Stratocaster with yeah, a Ram. Really yeah. And uh, so Frank, I did play some guitar on that. Frank, uh, from uh-huh. doing overdubs, had actually me and, and Warren Cucurulo come in together and play those those surf parts and on um, right. Joe's Garage, and also the and so that's me playing, you know, like the wipeout parts and all that kind of stuff on my. On my second hand strategy with a whammy bar. Well, we can so. either play that or do some more talking. Um, oh, uh, you can play that if you want. Or if you want, or, or uh, the other cuts that I like from that are um, Lucille. You know, guys, Lucille's a good one. Packer Goose is great. Uh-huh. Um, uh, also, Wet T shirt contest is great. Um, right. Yeah, Lucille might be nice because that, that features the bass quite a bit on the. Uh, the, the reggae feel of it. If you want to play a little bit of that, sure. And that was the uh, second time you recorded that. That was done with. Yes, it was. It was a Jeff Simmons song. Yeah, Simmons. Yep, yep. Yeah, and uh, I remember Frank, when we were working on the album. Frank gave me a cassette, I guess, of that version, and I wrote wrote out a chart from that. Then that, which is what we used when we recorded uh, the Joe's Garage version. Okay, so here it is. Lucille's messed my mind. <laughs> Oh, 
any kind that I was ever on. Uh-huh. So that was a nice place to start. Yeah, yeah. Lucille's a great tune. Yeah, Joe's Garage has a bunch of great stuff on it. And it was a great band. Ike Willis was in that band? Yeah. Well, I mean, like I say, I was so lucky to have been in the band with Vinnie Colaiuta at the yep. same time. Yep. We yep. talked about him, but he is, to me, uh, by far the, the best drummer ever. I yep. mean, he can do fucking everything. Did you know, in addition to his fantastic playing, he's also a great reader. Oh, yeah. Read music, sight read the shit out of music. And um, I actually have a good Vinny story, um, uh, which uh, some other band member kind of stole from me, I found out later, who wasn't even there. But that aside, uh, was uh, when I we, like, first got out of the band and we did our set of rehearsals. And uh, Frank actually added some shows in Europe before the real tour was supposed to start. So the, the rehearsals were actually cut off a little bit short so we could go do these big festivals. Right. And uh, <clears throat> when we were uh, on, I guess it was when we were going in the airport, I can remember it was like when we first got to Munich or was on the way or what. Anyway, Frank handed me a piece of sheet music called Mo's Vacation, <clears throat> which is a really complicated bass part. Right. And I was so excited because, wow, this is something brand new that no other you know, this bass players have played before. And I'm getting to uh, learn and work on it. And um, so we, we were in Munich and we were there for a few days and doing some rehearsals. <clears throat> and, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, sure. I had taken sheet music off to my room and I had my bass and I had just been shedding, practicing the heck out of it and spent maybe a total of, I don't know, maybe 15 hours or something like that on it. And... Um, and uh, when I 
played it for Frank, he was, you know, really kind of amazed that, that I was able to do it. But I mean, I was just so into it. I wanted to do it right. So well, and anyway, so I'd been working on it. And, and we were at a rehearsal. And I think we were in a break and uh, at the end of a food break. And, uh, and Vinny and I were there in the room. And I, I said, Hey, Vinny, you want to, we want to look over this most vacation thing here while we got a chance. And uh, he, he says, yeah, yeah, I haven't, I haven't, uh, haven't had a chance to really look at it yet, but we could go over it. And, and, uh, so it does. And, you know, so Vinny, he's sitting down at the, sits there at the drums. He's got a plate of sushi, which he's eating. And he, and, I, and, he, and he puts the sheet music up, which, you know, just looks like fly shit. It's just yeah. like, you know, incomprehensible shit. And, <laughs> and then he bring, and lights, lights a cigarette and proceeds to sight read Moe's Vacation. Oh, with really? me and i'm just about dying i'm thinking holy shit man i've been working on this for hours oh, i can barely play oh. here he is fucking sight reading it yeah. and um uh yeah just uh pretty mind-blowing Did and uh and like and he would do some things for you he could do such incredibly as uh, frank called it uh, uh called vinny uh, on rhythmic encyclopedia wow and, and he even gave me that title when i was listening to something from a and, and he would introduce me also, and Arthur Barrow on the encyclopedia. <clears throat> but if any would do these things, they do these across the bar things. If you know what I mean, it's like, it's like yeah, it might yeah. be in three, four, four, but it's like this pattern that takes many, many measures for it to come out to one again. Yes. And he did one of those on Packard Goose uh, <clears throat> on Joe's Garage. There's this middle section that has this thing. It was like da 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 and 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 frank has it was uh me and warren just playing that lick over and over and over again and and Vinny playing a drum solo on top of that and he starts doing at one point this thing this across the bar pattern where he's playing sort of in four four across the six eight and it's like god i'm thinking oh fuck oh man he's gonna fucking throw me i'm gonna lose track of it i'm gonna fuck it up and uh, and i'm like tapping my foot as hard as i could just to just to <laughs> just to try not to lose the beat and i said it's like coming around it's like it's okay i think it's gonna it's about to come out and come back to one here and so okay please uh, please don't do it again please i mean it's a video does it another round yeah, and then, wow. oh, fuck, man, wow. i made it through one can i make it through twice wow. and when i i, I uh a couple of years ago, I was talking to Warren, uh, kind of before he went off the deep end. <laughs> That's yeah. another story. But, um, and I, I was saying, you remember that day when we were doing that? I said, man, what what were you thinking when we were doing that thing? And Benny's playing all that shit. He says, I was watching you. <laughs> <laughs> you watching your foot. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Just, just following what I was doing. Did, well, you said Frank always had a great... Um... He always had a great, you know, bass and, and drummer. He he, he always, he, no matter what he had, you know, he the, his bass players and his drummers were always were, were great. Um, Terry Bozio wound up in that in, in his band. Yeah, yeah. Another killer drummer, um, Ainsley Dunbar. You know, he always. Had, oh yeah, I know Ainsley. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, I, well, I would say his best bass players. If I, you know, leave myself out of it, I'd like to think that they am one. But I, yeah, yeah. I, I would say, you know. Tom Fowler and uh, would, would be probably my, my number one. Um, yeah. uh, and you know, I'd like Patrick was good too. And um, uh, let's see, I, I'd like to, uh, um, yeah, the guy in the original band. I think of the guy that's oh, in jail. Uh, yeah, Roy Estrada. 
Roy Estrada. I liked his yeah. playing too, yeah. actually. So I never liked and, Jim Ponce. I thought Ponce was out of place in that band. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So yeah, I'll leave yeah, it there. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I knew Jim. Um, I was um, managing a, a part of the Middlelands, and um, Jim was working for the Jets at the time. He was an announcer or something after he huh. left the Zappa's band. And um, yeah, so I used to run into him a lot. And uh, yeah, he, he always felt out of place in that band too, he said. And uh, yeah, he, he just, you know, I don't know, didn't fit. But he was a quick replacement for, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Lucille. Um, oh, Jeff Simmons. Yeah, Jeff Simmons, yeah, he took over. You know, yeah, they, yeah, that whole story from 200 Motels is pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, and then the bass player that ended up in the movie was Ringo's uh limo driver yeah that yeah. guy martin, martin something Mar yeah martin laskett or something like that I don't yeah know. i know i know um he um yeah but he always had he always had a great rhythm section and um you guys had to work hard because he was all over the place you know i i i was talking to ed mann about this i every now and then i go back to look at those um to that video at um, the palladium when Ed's working uh, his mallets on like four or five different corners of the room, just running around, you know, banging, you know, just hitting things and, and you know, <clears throat> with his mallet work. Um, mm. Frank didn't make it easy for anybody. You know, it was, no, it was not know. about being easy, that's right. Oh, I actually saw Jim Gordon playing drums with him once. Oh yeah? Yeah, at, um, it was at Madison Square Garden, and it was the Waka Jawaka tour. And, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, and, and Jim Gordon was his drummer on that tour. And um, yeah, I guess Sal, Mark, uh, Sal was on that tour too, I guess. Yeah, probably yeah. maybe Bruce Fowler was in there. Maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, you know, I never saw him put out a bad, I never saw a bad show. I saw some shows that were too far out there that I just couldn't um, kind of wrap my arms around. But yeah. they were always great. His musicians yeah. were great. He always, um, you know, they, they were great. Um, you, you know, just, uh, like to talk about Bruce Fowler a little bit. Uh, he's like, yeah, he's uh, he's had some health issues and he doesn't play like he used to. But in his heyday, he was just absolutely incredible. He, he, I've talked with Frank about it one time. He says, he, "Yeah, that guy, he can make it sound like anything but a trombone." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the and, shit he could do. I mean, Bruce uh -huh. was so had such control over his lips that he could not only play melodies with just the mouthpiece to the trombone, he could just with his lip just going. <laughs> I can't yeah. even make a, like, a sound that way. He can yeah. play melodies that way well, on just his lips. Yeah. I think Frank, Frank attracted the best players. Yeah. He was like a magnet. Um, I remember hearing a story about Sugarcane Harris, you know, the uh, violin player, yeah. that mm -hmm. um, they wanted him to play on uh, um, uh, Hot Rats. And um, was it Hot well, Whatever, Lucille. Uh, yeah, I think it was oh. that, that whole session thing. And um, they, he was in jail. So they pulled him out of jail and they gave him his violin and he had no um, horse hair on the bow. He played half the album with no hair on the bow. And, <laughs> How do you do that? Yeah, I know, I know. And, and it's just incredible stuff. But he always seemed to attract the top of the top. And um, I mean, that says a lot for you guys, just just, just, yeah. just, just the uh, legacy that came out of that band. Well, I, my, my highest... Um praise for a musician to say he's the Jimi Hendrix of whatever and like Bruce Fowler is the Jimi Hendrix of the trombone and Vinnie Colaiuta is the Jimi Hendrix of the drums well, but you, you played so many different instruments 
you weren't, I mean, with Frank, you, you mostly played bass, but in all your other stuff, I mean, I've, I've been going through your resume. Um, you've, you've worked with Berlin. People don't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, talk about Berlin. Uh, you, you were on their biggest hits. Um, yeah. Um, well, um, it was uh, during the Giorgio period, and um, he was working on that movie, Top Gun. Uh-huh. Sort of silly movie, but... Um, Anyway, he, you know, he it was, it was just to back up when I was talking about uh, Giorgio and, and Flashdance when he became hot again. Then yeah. suddenly, yeah, all the Hollywood directors and producers they said, "Oh man, we need to have a hit song in our movie like Flashdance does. We got to get Giorgio Moroder to write some songs." So all of a sudden, he's just busy as hell and and, and writing stuff. And he wrote this song, uh, "Take My Breath Away." Yeah, and. Um, and interesting, but they had written the song and got the lyrics written, and um, but we didn't know who's going to sing it yet, and um, uh, so they were sort of auditioning people. So what we what we had ended up doing, we did I think five or six different versions of it in different keys for the different singers to get the right key on it. Okay. Finally, ended up with uh, Terry Nunn from Berlin, yeah, from Berlin. Ended up singing the one that, that became the hit, and it was uh, it was the only number one. Oscar-winning song that I ever played on, so that, that was kind of cool. Yeah, it was back in those days. It's, it's I got to tell you, it is yeah, fun too. Whoa, 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 hang up though. Hang, hang, wait, hang back a second. You also played on um, uh, Cocker's. Uh, you can uh, leave your hat on. That's right. That's right. That's yeah. me on there. Uh, bass and key, some keyboards. Yeah, yeah, that, that was fun too. I remember hearing that one on the radio. That's, I mean, uh, that that should that might not have won an Oscar, but that should have won an Oscar. That song made that movie. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of fun. I never, I never saw the movie back in the day, but a couple of years ago, I went and found a, the clip of it on YouTube, and uh-huh. it's somewhat gratifying to see, uh, see that. What's her name? That actress. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, nine, nine and a half weeks. Anyway, to see her uh, dancing around to my music—that's not something that happens every day. Yeah, no. Yeah, but that was—that's that, what you think of it the minute you hear that song. That yeah, that song <laughs> sold the movie. I think you know that whole. That yeah. Whole, yeah, 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 and. Um, and then with Berlin, also no more words and dancing in Berlin. No more yeah. words is a small hit. Um, yeah. And the interesting story with that is, um, they, they, you know, uh, Berlin got their start just in the late. They were some in, independent indie band. And they had a couple of six, a couple of hits. One of them called "Riding on the Metro." Another one was uh-huh. "Sex." You know, I'm a yeah, slut. Yeah, I'm yeah, a yeah, yep, 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 yep. Yeah. What was it called? Um, I'll tell you who that is. That was. Uh... Yes, yeah, so that's called sex, right? Yeah, I think maybe so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and anyway, so that got them signed to uh, David Geffen, and so they did an album for Geffen, and Geffen heard it, and he was worried they didn't he didn't feel like there was any any hits on it that right. that and so he came to Giorgio and asked Giorgio, well, do you think you can pick out a couple of these songs and, and you know redo do them up Giorgio style and and you know make them a little more you know, turn them into hits, yeah. basically. So uh, we got in, we went to Giorgio's office, me and Rich, Richie Zito, and we all three of us oh. sat down and listened to the songs, and we all decided that No More Words and Dancing in Berlin would uh, were good candidates. Uh-huh. And so we just, we just started from scratch and did whole new tracks of them, and that's what ended up on the album. But the, the uh, I think the band wasn't, you know, so we did all the tracks and had uh, Terry Nunn come in and, and sing, right. and um, and and uh, the, but that the the band members were not any too happy about that, and then they also weren't happy about when uh, 
the song that they didn't have anything to do with, uh, Take My Breath Away, became a number one song in their big hit. And I heard somewhere that that eventually kind of led to the de demise of the band because uh -huh. Terry sort of became the star then. And yeah. um, they were, it was, it, yeah, it caused, it caused a lot of problems, actually. And, and that was that second time around because that, well, actually that third, that band was in the specials, that two-tone band, that ska band. Yeah. And then they were in, then those two guys were in Fine Young Cannibals. Uh-huh. They just kept replacing their lead singer. Uh-huh. And then they became uh, Berlin when they got Terry Nunn. Oh, is that really? Is that yeah, 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 the guitarist and the bass player. They were, they were a team. They were in the specials and um, uh, Fine Young Cannibals. And uh, then, um, yeah, then they became Berlin. And yeah, the song's yeah. called Sex Ame, you know, in parentheses. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. That's right. Yeah. yeah and uh, yeah, I mean. It was, it was fun back with those days. I could uh, every now and then turn on the radio and uh, hear myself and say, oh, hey, I'm, oh, look, it's You Can Leave Your Hat On or it's No More Words or Yeah. Or, but, take My Breath Away. And it's, that's kind of fun. Yeah. But you, I mean, you, you've been involved with, uh, you know, Billy Idol. Yeah, yeah. That was a little, a little, more or less the same time, a little, little later. Yeah. Uh -huh. And um, uh, obviously, the Untouchables. That was that's a great album, Agent Double O Soul. Great, great, great. Yeah. Album. And um, yeah, it was it was interesting working with Billy Idol. He was uh, he was quite a character. Yeah. Too. Do, he yeah. was uh, really a nice guy for the most part, and uh -huh. uh, uh, unless he started drinking tequila. Yeah, I know. I, I used and, to, he used to work in our club a lot, and uh, yeah, the minute he got one or two in him, he got a little. Uh, little mean yeah i remember just sitting to him next to the studio when you know we were you know, we'd work all day and they would unwind a little bit and listen to some of what stuff we did and and uh and one day he's one night he's drinking some tequila and i'm sitting next to him and he starts starts <laughs> i don't know almost kind of growling like an animal or something uh -huh. sort of just sort of sneering and oh, well, i can't think of the right word i, I don't just and I thought, yeah, maybe I looked at my watch and said, oh, well, look at the time. Yeah, got to go. I've got, I got to go. Got to go. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was, yeah, it was, those were crazy days, like the wilderness yeah. years. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, uh, um, I, later after I, I was done working with him, he uh, got in trouble. He was, I'm sure he was drunk or something and, and, and actually hit some girl. Yeah. I don't know if he beat her, but like yeah. something really ugly. And he, it, also, uh, he also got into trouble with Paul McCartney. I think oh really? How's that? He was involved with um, Paul's stepdaughter Heather. Really? And um, she, I guess, drugs and stuff got into the picture, and he was really the culprit. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, out there for a while ago. So, oh, yeah. I didn't. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to get Sir Paul pissed. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, that could be that, that could be a career ender. Yeah, I mean, Billy was such a superstar at that point. Yeah. I didn't play, um, uh, unfortunately, I... Um... Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot, buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's Bacon or Sausage Egg and Cheese Biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. 
Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. I, I played on a later album called Charmed Life, which was right. ironic when he, he then had a bad motorcycle accident and was uh-huh. <laughs> hobbling around on crutches. Um, but, um, yeah, he sure had some great records, you know. Yes, uh, he did. Uh, White uh, Wedding. White, yeah. White Wedding, yeah. And, um, uh, and, and even the Generation X. They, they, they were, yeah, they were and, and Dancing With Myself and, yep. and Rebel Yell. Those yep. are fucking great records. Yep. Keith Burke, of course, he produced the shit out of those. Yeah, also, um, how about your silent movie career? I know you did. Oh, I did some, yeah. Yeah, that was that must have been a trip. Uh, it is a trip. It's 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 very it's a, it's quite an effort, really. Um, uh, it's 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 hard in a lot of ways because, well, for one thing, you know, I, I used to always think of silent movies over oh, there forty five minutes long or something, but not really. You know, the ones I worked on were, were full length. Like probably, probably the favorite one of all the ones I did was the very first one I did. It was called The Torrent with Greta Garbo. Oh, okay. And the thing is, if you've got a 90-minute movie, a normal modern movie, there may be going to be 45 minutes of music in there. Yeah. But if it's a silent movie and it's 90 minutes, you got to come up with 90 minutes of yeah. music, wow. which is a lot because it never yeah. stops. And yeah. plus you're front and center. There's no sound effects. There's no right. dialogue. Yep. It's yep. just the music. So, And it can't ever really stop exactly. It kind of will come to little pauses between scenes, but it pretty much all segued together. And uh, so that's 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 quite a, quite a challenge. I did that and I did a Buster Keaton one called the cameraman which was uh you know same type of thing and it was yeah. almost around 90 minutes long and, um came out pretty well but an enormous amount of work and then i did a couple for universal recently um which were uh, n- not as much fun they they weren't you know it's one thing if you're doing something with greta garbo or uh, buster right. keaton uh-huh. but these were universal movies and universal is you know is always sort of the cheap <laughs> Yeah. cheap film company and okay. they were like they were not they were like b actors and stuff and um uh one one of them came out i don't know what's going to happen with the second one i did the one that i uh, that has is available suppose uh is um oh shit what's it called oh, the last warning uh-huh. uh but it's got some no-name actors in it but um so you're glo- yeah I, you're- I, I i decided after doing those those last two a few years ago that i i, I i'm done with that so, i, I yeah. don't want to so you, yeah, I was gonna say you're glutton for punishment to go through all that for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the money wasn't that good, oh, and uh, well, I just I go there day after day after day, and yeah. I just think, God, I hate this. Why am I doing this? Also, <laughs> you you did the bass stuff on the uh, Zapper um, uh, um, remasters, not right? He Zapper what? Zapper put out a line of his older um, records. Um, he redid the bass oh, the, and drums he... and stuff. You mean are you talking about beat the boots? No, 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 not beat the boots. Um, oh, oh, you're talking about we're in it yeah, for the money. The overdub stuff. You, oh, yeah. Yes, over, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all in it for the money. Yeah. Yeah. Some. I'm. I may be on one thing on Ruben and the Jets. Oh, it was. Uh, yeah, it's another interesting story. But we're all in it for the money. That was one of my 
that was maybe the first album that I really started getting into Zappa with. Uh-huh. Mainly, I was first attracted by the lyrics because I could relate to him as a yeah. teenager, and then I started to realize that the music was interesting too, and that actually began my my journey down the, the, the Zappa rabbit hole. Yeah, and traveling. And um, so he called me and, and said he's going to do this. He's got finally got his masters back, and he wants to he wants to replace the bass and drums because he never liked them. And um, he, uh, so I went up to the house to do it, and I, I remember just, I said to him, I said, Frank, man, really for the money? This is a masterpiece. Why? What are you screwing around with it for? I mean, what you, you know, I don't think the fans are going to like it. He says, Well, I don't care. It's, it's my record. And I never liked the, the drums and bass on there, so I'm replacing. Well, and so, you know, I wasn't going to say no. I won't do it because right, right, if, right. I, if I didn't, somebody else would. Yeah. Um, but I don't think the fans particularly appreciated it. And um, but it was a fun and kind of interesting experience because I, here I was sitting with, you know, it was only recorded on eight tracks, but right. I remember. Uh, he, he left the room once for one reason or another. I'm down at the control room and I played the tape and I could like, you know, listen to these different tracks and see, Oh, so that's what that was. Oh, that was, you know, just to be able to hear the individual tracks after all these years. Those are brilliant albums. Oh, really? Absolutely. Even Ruben and uh, the Jets. Ruben and the Jets was a great album. It was, um, definitely has some great stuff on there. Yeah. 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 And I'm uh, trying to remember what cut. Um, I think I'm just on one or two cuts on that. Am I on cheap thrills? I'd have to go look. I can't remember. Uh-huh. Um, um, yeah. And, um, well, you know, there's a, a bunch of credit things were, you know, screwed up to, uh, all over the place with Frank. Uh, I like on the um, You Are What You Is album. Yes. Um, you know, on that tour, that was sort of a scaled down band. Uh, he had he had gotten rid of uh, Peter Wolf and Ed Mann and hired Ray White. So that was that band it was just the, the six of us it was uh-huh. uh, uh well it was originally me and Vinny and tommy on the back row and then ike and frank and ray in the front uh unfortunately Vinny uh quit the band we ended up with a different drummer david logeman right. um and then Vinny came back later but uh but uh, during that time with that band uh, i had a keyboard set up and i played maybe 25 percent of the show on keyboards oh, really? um yeah and in fact on um, that song if only she woulda. Yeah. Um, it was. It, it's got to sort of doors take off musically, and there's an organ solo in there. And on the album, that's me playing the organ solo. But Frank failed to mention that in the credits. Oh, wow. So pe- people probably, probably think it was Tommy's solo. Yeah. But it's not. I'm sure Tommy would have done something much more creative than what I did. Well, <laughs> you also did. Um, I come from nowhere, right? You were on that cut. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to listen to part of that? That's a that's a great tune. Um, well, let's see. If you're going to play something from that era, why don't you play the one that's named after me? Do you have Tink Walks a Mock? Yeah, hold on. Um, let's see. That's from... Yeah, there's a, another a story surrounding that and uh, with, having to do with Christopher Cross, uh-huh. who I went to high school with. Um, oh, did you? Yeah, this is this is actually one of my favorite Zappa stories. Unless you want to go ahead and play something. No, no, tell the story first. Uh, okay, so I went to high school with this guy. His name was Chris Geppert, and you know he was in bands and stuff. And uh, and he, uh, you know, he pursued his music career, and he was smart enough to have started writing songs early on. And so, anyway, so he gets signed by Warner Brothers, and 
he comes, you know, he's and records his album, and he's got, you know, Ride Like the Wind on there, and um, it's turned out to be a big hit for him. And I remember I was in the Zappa band at the time, and I was on my way to a rehearsal, and thinking to myself, man, I'm I'm pretty cool, man. I'm playing in Frank Zappa's, but I'm probably like the coolest guy from my high school for sure, you know. <laughs> and, then, and then I turn on the radio, and I hear that voice, that distinctive voice. I knew it was him, and I knew he had a record coming out. You know, I got to ride, ride like the wind. Yeah, yeah. And I heard it once, and I got to the rehearsal, and um, and that Frank at that time was in a big fight with Warner Brothers, who Chris was on, and uh, so I, I came into rehearsal, said, "Man, oh, man, you won't believe it. I got this this guy I went to high school with. Um, he's got signed to Warner Brothers, and he did this song called Ride Like the Wind. And after hearing it only once, or part of it once on the radio I played what I could remember of it for uh -huh. Frank and sang a little bit of the, the words and Frank says oh give me a pencil and paper I can write a song like that in five minutes so that's when he wrote Teenage Wimp uh, and um, which I thought was pretty hilarious and so it was uh, my, my friend Phil that I talked about earlier who was my buddy out here when I first moved who I also knew from high school and, and actually elementary school he had been in Chris Cross's band in high school the flash uh -huh. and um so I called up I called Phil up after Frank wrote this new song this take off on Chris's song and uh I said Phil you won't believe it Zappa wrote a song a take off on ride like the wind uh, it's hilarious and so <laughs> Phil calls up Chris and tells him that Zappa's written a, a takeoff song in his song ride like the wind and Chris says to Phil um Oh well, gosh! I hope he doesn't release it while I'm peeking. Uh, <laughs> and so Phil tells me that, and so I tell Frank that, you know, I hope he doesn't release it till I'm peeking. And Frank says, "Oh, I've been in the business 15 minutes and I'm peeking." <laughs> want, okay, I, I got it queued up. You want to hear it? Here we go. Teenage win. Okay. It's a miserable Friday night. I'm so lonely.
You ain't the devil. So we're gonna be free. Where's my waitress? Did you know that free is when you don't have to pay for nothing or do nothing? We want to be free. Free is the wind. Free is when you don't have to pay for nothing or do nothing. We want to be free. Free is the wind. Free is when you don't have to pay for nothing or do nothing. We want to be free. Free is the wind. Free is when you don't have to pay for nothing or do nothing. We wanna. Yeah. We wanna. Yeah. We wanna. Yeah. We wanna be free. We're gonna. Yeah. We're gonna. Yeah. We're gonna. Yeah. We're gonna be free. We got to. Yeah. We got to. Yeah. We got to. Yeah. We got to be free. We got to. Yeah. We got to. Yeah. We got to. We got to be free. We got to. Got to. Got to be free. Got to be free. Got to be free. We got to. Zapper and um, anything else about that one, author? Yeah, yeah, it's the uh, story goes on. Um, first of all, we Frank had never heard the song. He wrote it just based on what I played for him, and we played it on tour for you know the whole tour with it, and then got in the studio and and they were recording it. Frank says to me, "So I, I finally heard that song, right? Like the wind. I I, I, I like it. I like it. Wow, <laughs> which was wow, funny. Wow, wow. Okay, so then sometime after that." Um, Frank and Chris Cross, by chance, just chance meeting at a restaurant in New York City, and um, they somehow they re recognized each other. Or something Frank F Frank had ordered a bottle of wine, but he'd only you know drank a little bit of it. So he he tells the, the waiter to send the half a bottle of wine over to Chris's table. <laughs> and so they get together and they start talking, and uh, it's. Uh, Chris, I guess, in order to get back at me for, for inspiring Frank to write the Takeout song, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, he he revealed um, to Frank that my childhood name was Tink, and my childhood nickname, this horrible name that I wouldn't wish on anybody. And Frank, uh, I, he he loved that, and I think part of the reason there was part of him that maybe felt a little guilty about giving his kids such stupid names like Dweezil. Yeah. You know, uh, that's kind of a mean thing to do. <laughs> I think I guess Dweezil's turned out all right. I don't really know him very well, but um, so <laughs> next time I say <laughs> see Frank, he says, "Hi, Tank." You know, yeah, Chris told me that was your your, your name. So we uh, then after that, then we were in the studio and working on the Man of the Utopia album, and he has me you know, record all these bass parts for this thing. It's kind of featuring the bass and all these kind of nutty things in there. It's overdubs and, 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 and went to a, a sort of a version of a song that we called 13. Um, and, you know, and then, you know, Ed came in and I think, I guess Chad did some drums and Ed uh -huh. did some percussion on that and made this interesting track and it comes out and Frank names it Tink Walks Amok. Yep, Tink, yep. Yeah. That's so. what he named it. So that's how I ended up. So I, I got to, it's kind of an honor to have a, a Frank Zappa composition named after me. I'd rather have that than, than Stevie's spanking. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's funny, you know, you, you hear a funny story. Stevie's spanking. Um, I live in New Mexico now, and um, I met this attorney, a woman, and her niece is the girl in Stevie's spanking. 
Oh. Yeah. 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 So, oh, what's her name? That, yeah, the redhead. That, yeah. What's her name? I forgot. Um, I did too, but yeah, it's her. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I'd rather have a Tink Watson mark than a Stevie Smith. Yeah, so, so what I'm going to do, what I'm gonna do is... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you continue. Go, go, go. No, no, no. Go ahead. I'm done. Oh, uh, yeah, I know you... Um, I'm going to have to let you go. We have to shut the show down in a bit. I want to thank you for... I'll, I'll, I'll play Tink Walks Amok, but okay. um, I'd like to um, thank you for spending the night with me tonight. And, My pleasure. Uh, I hope you do it again. Hope Absolutely. I, hope I didn't wear you out too much. And um, just stay safe out there, and, and um, I'll, we'll talk real soon. Yeah, you too. Okay. Okay. Um, right on. Yeah, send me that email we talked about. With, yeah, uh, I'll get everything and, uh, out there. Okay, cool, man. Well, thank you, Elliot. Well, thank you, my friend, and um, stay safe. And um, I'm going to talk to Ed. I want to get everybody on, like, maybe a big Zoom thing together as we get to that the end of this. That might be fun, yeah. Yeah, okay? Yeah. All right. Okay, my friend, be good and stay safe, and I'll talk soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
and that was Tink Walks Amok. And that song Frank Zappa wrote for our guest tonight, Art Barrow. And I want to thank Art for spending the night with us on some great stories, and um, hope to have him back real soon. Um, I really enjoyed tonight's um, segments, and and uh, I just want to thank him again. So, guys, um, it's time to say goodnight, and um, I'll give you a quick rundown of what's going on. We have some more of our Frank Zappa alumni coming up this week. Um, Scott Tunis will be here on, um, blah, 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 let me check. Don't want to give you the wrong dates. Okay, let's start at the beginning. This Sunday night, the great Ray White will be with us, Ray White. Uh, Monday, Scott Tunis will be here. And then um, Ed Mann will be here with Andre from uh, Project Object. Ed Mann, of course, from Frank Zappa's band. Um, they'll be here next Friday night. Uh, the 23rd of the month, Tom Fowler, the great, great Tom Fowler is here. And uh, Bobby Martin will be here at the end of the month. So we still have a lot of Frank Zappa people to get to. And um, I want to remind everybody, I'll be here early tomorrow. So um, uh, let's see, 12 o'clock uh, Eastern time. And um, so, you know, come on down and make sure you, you know, you're listening to the show tomorrow. And uh, I'm trying to think what else we could talk about before we go. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play Joe's Garage. I'm going to play this because um, uh, Ed, um, this was a tune that Arthur was on. And um, I just wanted to get it out there. I, I think Ed Mann was on this one as well, too. So let's give it a go. And uh, Joe's Garage, and have a good night. And see you guys tomorrow morning at noon Eastern, 10 o'clock Mountain. <laughs> wasn't very large there was just enough room to cram the drums in the corner over by the dodge it was a 54 with a mashed up door and a cheesy little lamp with a sign on the front said fender champ and a second hand guitar it was a stratocaster with a whammy bar we could jam and joe's garage his mama was screaming and his dad was mad We was playing the same old song in the afternoon And sometimes we would play it all night long It was all we knew and easy to So we wouldn't get it wrong All we did was bend the string like Hey, down in Joe's garage We didn't have no dope for but a couple of quarts of beer Would fix it so the intonation Would not offend your ear And the same old chords Going over and over Became a symphony We could play it again and again and again Cause it sounded good to me One more time We could jam in Joe's garage Mama was screaming, turn it down We was playing the same old song In the afternoon And sometimes we were playing all night long It was all we knew And easy to, so we wouldn't get it wrong Even if you played it on the saxophone We thought we was pretty good 
We talked about keeping the band together And we figured that we should Cause about this time we was getting the eye From the girls in the neighborhood They'd all come over and dance around like So we picked out a stupid name Had some cards printed up for a couple of bucks And we was on our way to fame Got matching suits and beetle boots and a sign on the back of the car. And we was ready to work in a go go bar. One, two, three, four. Let's see if you've got some more. People seem to like our song. They got up and danced and made a lot of noise, and it wasn't for very long. A guy from a company we can't name Said we ought to take his pen And sign on the line for a real good time But he didn't tell us when These good times would be something That was really happening So the band broke up And it looks like We will never play again Guess you only get one chance in life to play a song that goes like Yeah.
Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Fly on the Wall. There are more great interviews to follow so please list us as one of your favorites and be sure to follow. We are listener funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. Please remember to share our info. Thanking you all.